Welcome to Leading Well, a podcast exploring the ideas and practices that can help us all on our path of wellness. We believe that we can lead well when we live well. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Episode seven of Leading Well. We're here. Episode seven. Um, I I consider it an accomplishment. We made it this far. Yes. Almost to 10. Almost to 10, which is a big deal. Is, it, is, there, like a, is there like a podcast, you know, like milestone you get to 10 and you're official? I don't know. Uh, so I did some reading and the fall off point, <laughs> is, um, the fall off point for like 75% of podcasts that are started is five episodes. Oh, so we're already past that. Yeah. We have, we have crossed that barrier. I feel like we're doing all right. Um, literally tens of people are listening to us. Tens of people. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter how many it's, how much impact we're having on those absolutely. 10 people. So absolutely getting good feedback from a lot of friends that, that have listened and, and asking questions. What else? What else is going on? It's almost Christmas. It is. Merry Christmas. It is almost Christmas or Crumpus or Festivus or whatever. Wherever you're at. Wherever you're at. Kwanzaa's right around the corner Happy too. Kwanzaa, all the things. Yeah. So the 12 days of Christmas starts the day after Christmas. I have no idea. There's like a whole thing about that. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's between the, like the Roman Catholic Christmas day they observe. And then I think Orthodox is like January 6th or something. So I think you have to read that, read up on that. So yeah, we're a couple days away from Christmas. So excited about that. So we, last episode that, um, was good. Yeah. It was good. I talked a lot. You did. Thanks for letting me do that. Appreciate that. It It was your turn. My turn. Yeah. We're taking turns on that. Talked about the, the habit of self-care and um, habit loops and cue, routine, reward, all the things. Um, yeah, I got some really good feedback and it was, quite frankly, it was good for me to re-listen and, you know, not just listening to the podcast, see how it sounds, but actually listening to the podcast yeah. myself as a, as a listener. What did you say? What did I say? Yeah, I know. Did I? I, I just blacked out. Anyone? Did I? <laughs> Like we get into this and I just black out sometimes. Some TMI, always some TMI. But uh, as we were, as we mentioned in a previous episode that we were going to kind of do two parts, um, wanted to talk about habits and what were habits and what are habits in, in the first part of that. And then uh, second part, we wanted to talk about specifically more on self-care and the practice of self-care. And in those conversations and kind of really thinking through what we talked about, I was Almost immediately, and actually, as we were, as I was preparing for that episode, um, and as we were um, doing the episode and talking about the practice of self care, uh, a good friend of mine that I've known six, seven years, we'll figure that out in a minute, immediately came to mind someone that who I think um, embodies and, and really exemplifies, at least for me, someone who really takes uh, the practice of self care, the habit of self care very seriously and, and someone I've been inspired by. And so uh, we said, hey, wouldn't it be great to have our first guest, our first guest on the podcast. So we're really excited. So let me uh, introduce a good friend and someone I've known. I think, I think it's been seven years. We'll, 
We'll figure that out at some point. But uh, Christina Lidke, founder of a fashion line, a story. And I've um, not only been great to know her, but I've actually um, been able to help a little bit in, in, on uh, some things with her her fashion brand. We met a number of years ago from an event called Detroit Homecoming uh, that I was really fortunate to be a part of. And uh, she's done some amazing things in her career and has recently uh, moved back to Detroit. So Christina, welcome. How are you? Welcome. I feel I feel lucky. I feel like seven is the number. We are on the seventh podcast. I've known you for seven years. If I get another seven today, then it's my lucky day. It's a lucky day. The synchronicity of seven. Yeah. And that's, yeah, what's the, the seven year itch in marriage, right? Most, yeah, if you make it past that seven years. So we just got to make it through this episode. That's it. And one more. And I think Good. Yeah, we're we're officially a, a podcast couple. Woo! <laughs> I will not use the word throuple. <laughs> even we have a guest. Gross. <laughs> Gross. Oh, Lord. Fun word. So, Christina, tell us a little bit, uh, or a lot, whichever you prefer, about yourself, kind of your background, and your what's your story? What's your story? Sure. So, uh, hi, everyone. And again, thank you for having me here. My name is Christina Lidke. I uh, am the CEO and creative director behind and founder of A Story, which is a women's apparel and accessories brand that leverages iconic city prints on women's clothing. If you want to ever check us out, you can go to our website at astory.com. You know, my story is, is pretty crazy in terms of where I started, where I am today, the number of locations I've lived in, number of cities I've visited, uh, and, and all of those things. And, um, and I think when we relate it to getting through everything, um, you know, I think Eric, you and I were talking a little bit last week about, you know, we've got these stories and some of them are hard and difficult. And then we've got the days and the moments and the years that are extremely joyful. And where do we find our grounding? Where do we find, you know, because I look, I've, I've lived, I've started this company. And I think the biggest thing is, is I spent 25 years in corporate America uh, with some of the biggest beauty care brands in the world. And I, I wanted more creativity in my life. I wanted to tap into my creativity. It is my joy. It is my passion. It is my bittersweet interaction every day. Uh, creativity can bring you down as much as it can bring you up because you go through blocks and then you go through highs. Uh, but I wanted to really tap into my my creativity. And the other thing I really wanted to tap into was how big of an impact, positive impact can I make? I think we we realize when we are having to be self-sufficient and not just kind of wake up every day and do our thing, go to work, come home. And it's kind of just this day in and day out activity. You, when you're starting your own company or when you're looking at yourself and you're saying, okay, I'm not fulfilled. And for me, I grew up, to be honest, I grew up in a very German family where we just our work ethic is extremely important to us. It is a value. And so for me, work is very important. I know for many people it's not, and that's totally cool. Um, I think everyone has a different value system, but work 
and my work and my, and what I'm bringing to the world is very important. And so, you know, when I've looked at, like, I moved, I've moved to almost every city, like every major city in the United States. Uh, I spent 10 years in New York City before I moved back to Detroit. I've worked for the top companies. When I started getting into meditation, and so we start talking about self-care, and what, what does self-care mean? Well, it's such a broad definition. Self-care can be something as big of, as big as, like, you know, I'm going to wake up and work out or I'm going to get my workout in every day or it can be, you know, as, as as simple as that or it can be as expansive as who am I? What am I doing? Where's my purpose? And how am I tapping into myself to find that? So you were, you mentioned you've worked in a number of cities. Um, you were in Boston, right? Gillette, Johnson & Johnson, Revlon, right? So L'Oreal. Oh, sorry, L'Oreal. We'll confuse those two. <laughs> it's going to start a fight. Editor note. Yeah. Scratch that part. <laughs> Johnson & Johnson and L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Yes. And PepsiCo. I started my career at PepsiCo. Yeah. So you, you, you've worked some major brands, um, high level, high level executive. And um, you mentioned upbringing and um, kind of cultural norms you know, from your family. And we, we talk about that frequently as you were high school, college kind of coming um, out of that period of your life into your career. What was the, what was your goal? What was your, what was your vision of success and um, how much did that really kind of drive your actions, activities, um, especially moving into career kind of not only climbing corporate ladders, but literally, you know, going from major brand to major brand. What, what was going through your mind in terms of what you had to do? It's interesting because it's a really solid question. And I could give you a really generic answer to that. I think the programming of success was very much about continuing to drive, grow the, get up and, and the ladder, you know, go from one definition to another without it being really well-defined right, and without it being really fulfilling either. And uh, so, yeah, I went from one company. I mean, I spent, I, I actually was quite loyal to the companies. I, I, I mean, I was at Johnson and Johnson for 10 years. I was at uh, you know, I, I didn't like jump every year, every other year, what have you. I actually stayed and, and learned and went through multiple roles and understood everything that it takes to kind of run a brand and, all the back end of it and the front end and whatever. I think when I went into it, you know, and I'm going to talk a little bit about myself in this is when I went into it, the whole, there was just this very focused point of proving myself that I could do it, that I could be a part of a big company, that I could be successful, uh, that I could make a lot of money, um, that I could go and buy the things that I wanted to buy. You know, there was a, there was a really big, part of, and being smart and being intelligent and being, I would say when I sat in a meeting and it looked like when I first started my career, you know, for anybody's in their twenties listening, I was, I was very much a resemblance of my, my childhood. I was right. very shy. I didn't speak up in meetings. I didn't speak up that much when I knew something wasn't right. Or when I thought something was going really well, I just didn't speak up. I got my work done I did a really good job. I was, I was, when I started my career as in analytics, I was in category management. 
So for me, data and diving deep into data and analytics was actually a, my, it was my strength, but sitting, standing there and presenting and doing all these things was not my strength at all. I, I had to get it out of me. And so there was this, just this part of, I think, growth. Hmm. And we don't know what it looks like when we go into it until we walk, get out of it. And we're like, oh, okay, these are all the things. Yeah. And I think you get to this point where I got to this point in my career where I was like, what's next? Let's really look at what's next. Mm-hmm. Is, is, and I started at this point, I wanted creativity. I, I wasn't, you know, I wanted to go into design. I think design to, design to me is the epicenter of every massive solution you will ever look at in terms of business, in terms of architecture, in terms of city development, design, and design is not replaceable. And so that to me, and we'll probably get into this, like when we talk about habits and we talk about these things, these are actually designed. Mm. So, you know, and then Garrick, back to your question of like, what was, what was the goal? I, and, and what I walked in, I don't know if I really had one. And I think when you don't have one, you get lost yeah, and you lose track. And if you're not tapped into that goal emotionally, you're going to get lost. You're going to, you're going to drop off. You know, I think there were other things that that I went through, but I also, but it, look, like at the end of the day, when I look back at the 25 years I spent in corporate, probably the best growth, learning, understanding, I will never look back at that part of my career. And I may go, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I'll never look back at that part of my career and say I shouldn't have because I should have gone through it all at that point. I should have learned. I should have gone through the hard times. I should have gone through all the reviews. And I think the things that I look at when I actually got those annual reviews where they're like, you're a six out of 10. I'm like, great. Thanks. <laughs> you're, you're meeting expectations and sometimes exceeding them. I look back and when I look at those reviews, I realize that like myself was missing. Hmm. I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but I was missing out of everything. That's good. That's good. I want to go back. You mentioned something a couple of times. And so I wanted to hit on a little more about creativity. Um, and like for me, so I've got, there's a lot of similar things going on, uh, and where, um, like for Eric and I, you know, we both were in like church world and, and pastoring. And so like, there is, there's a, there's a massive opportunity to engage in creativity within that within that sphere for us. And so like, I understand like that's a big output. And I know after, like after I left the church, um, there was this huge vacuum. It felt like where all of a sudden I didn't have that creative output and there wasn't, there wasn't a weekly platform that I could sit on and I could share ideas like this is what I read this week. This is what I'm thinking right now. I didn't have that anymore. And I, and I recognized in myself right away, like that, that became I knew that that was, that brought an immense amount of health to me when I was able to engage that part of my brain. And so like, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that I've done to kind of supplement that this podcast included, but engaging that part of our brain, I feel is so essential. Like no matter where we're at, you know, I'm, I'm in corporate life right now. Uh, Eric's doing his thing. And, and so I know that I have to be intentional about finding that creative output. So like doing this, um, I, I, uh, I do leather craft, like I make all kinds of stuff. 
or I write, um, you know, playing with music, like any of that stuff allows me to tap into and engage that part of my brain to bring a little more of a complete picture of health. And so like hearing, hearing from you, like, you know, I, I wrote down, you know, what you said, design, I wrote down design drives everything. And so tapping into that creative part and, you know, getting into the design side of things, when you started to see that in yourself, is that when you were able to look back and say, okay, this is, this is what I was doing. This is where I'm headed now. And the thing that has changed is now I'm able to engage that creative side of me. Is that what it would be the, would the creativity be kind of the motivator for, you know, where, you know, what propelled you into what you're doing now? I mean, I think, so I think it's interesting, you know, one of the things that when I look back at like kind of everything you know, I was always finding a creative source somewhere that, you know, I remember when I was in Chicago the first time working for a big company at night, I went and took classes in interior design because I needed to do something. Right. And if it wasn't that I was dressing a little bit more creative. I mean, it's, it's funny. I've been on a couple of different podcasts and things like that. And I always say like, you know, I, when I was young, fashion to me has been my entire life. Now, am I the most fashionable person? No. And the more I get into fashion, the more I wear t-shirts and jeans. So that's <laughs> that. But the, the thing is, is that like, I was a shy kid. I was, fashion to me was my voice. It was, it was my strong voice. As long as I was walking and not having to use my actual words and what have you, I could just show up and I would have a presence. And I wanted to be heard and I wanted to be seen. I just didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And, you know, so the thing is, is like when I was in Chicago, my first time I started, I was taken into your design classes. When I, I moved to Boston, I had to find my own outlets. I didn't know, you know, I didn't really know what all of this meant. And then when I moved back to Chicago, I started taking various classes. I learned how to sew. Like there were so many things that I did and this is when I, you know, it's funny, the law of attraction, I started meeting a few people that were artists, that yeah. were creatives. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, wow. Like this is, you can actually make money off of being creative. What is this about? I mean, you just don't, you know, I I think um, Virgil Abloh, who recently passed away, was creative director uh, for Louis Vuitton, and I believe, and he... Uh, and he went around and taught kids about this one aspect of you can make money being creative. Mm. People, unless you are in certain, I think, let's just say sectors or what have you, industries, people don't see creativity as this high value. And I think the other thing about creativity, and this is one thing that like I have, I have a few different mentors and one of them is more my like Christina specific mentor and everyone else is like more of a business mentor, you know, we got into talking about our DNA, our code. What is our authentic code? And one of my authentic codes is that I'm a very playful, I'm playful. Yeah. I, I like to play, you know, I, I enjoy being playful and this can be joking around. This can be in style. This can be in so many aspects and people, again, I think there's been this cultural demise on that being playful is not accepted. Absolutely. And so when like someone walks into corporate America and they're like, oh, I'm a musician on the side or I'm doing this on the side or what have you. And it's a playful 
this part of plain, this part of inner child. It's like it was, it's dismissed. If you're not an adult and mature and this and that, you know, and yet it's, you know, I, I, you look at it and you're like, but every brand out there is part of playtime. Absolutely. All right. So not, I don't want to hijack this, but I'm, you're going to hijack it. No, I, no. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a moment right now. Oh yeah. Like really Brand. emotional. Um, so um, growing up, it's, it's fascinating. So I, I grew up middle-class, you know, working family, dad worked in a factory, but in, in predominantly poor neighborhood, poor schools. And it was amazing. I, I had, you know, posters of, Lamborghinis and Porsches and like that was the we we talked about that before right the yeah. LA law right I had to be a lawyer because yeah, that's lawyer or doctor but whenever I was sad or frequently grounded to my room <laughs> my mom talks about this all the time uh, I got a little Casio keyboard for Christmas um, I think when I was seven or eight but I would go into my room and I would play on my Casio keyboard as a matter of fact my mom often jokes about. Uh, now that they would ground me to my room and, you know, an hour or two later they'd come in and I'd just be playing on my keyboard and they're like, you can come out now. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, so playing music and specifically keyboard was, was kind of like my, you know, my retreat and then going into college. Um, and I've talked a little bit, not a lot about, um, just kind of my struggles in college. Um, just really traumatic time actually now that in looking back. Um, but in, in our dorms at uh, Michigan, there were grand pianos in the lounges of, 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 uh, the dorms and many, many nights I would go to one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And I would just go and, and I would play the piano and that was my escape. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is in thinking about this episode and about the habit of self-care and like, you know, deep breathing and, and meditation and all this stuff. When you mentioned, uh, Christina, about that creative outlet, uh, I played piano. I was asked to do a um, Christmas concert last week. And um, as I was playing, I realized that um, for the better part of 30 years of my life, I played piano at church every week, you know, sometimes two, three times a week for 30 years. But playing last week, it was the first time in two years. And I'm I'm getting really emotional because I'm realizing like how important that is to me. And that is every bit as much of a habit of self-care as anything. But I, I just kind of got away from it. So sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I, I mean, I just want to mention that because it's just like, we talk, Christina, we talk about this on this podcast. Everything that we're doing is in real time. And that literally was in real time. I just literally had a moment of like, oh man, that. And then on the way here to our HQ, as we call it, I was thinking, you know, it'd be great to, you know, have our own songs. So literally on the way here, I wrote a song <laughs> and uh, last week. And I was like, oh yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. Um like I said, I don't want to hijack. I want to hear more of your story, but that just like hit me so hard. And you're right. Like create, like that part of my life is so important. And that was coping, but it was also that outlet and it was healing and music is and creativity is. So thanks for bringing that up, Christina. Sorry. 
No, I mean, I think, you know, I think we forget that we're, if you ever walk into your parents' house, you're still a child. <laughs> Absolutely. In their eyes, you are still a child. They still treat, they still will be like, oh, are you not feeling well? Go take a nap. I'm going to, you know, like they are, you are still a child. They, they, the day you're born, they will never look at you any different than being a child, no matter how old you got. And we have to remember that for ourselves. We are children. Yeah. And playtime, no matter what that looks like, that can look very different to anybody. You know, it can be, I mean, and I'm going to be a little crass here. It can be playtime in the bedroom with your spouse. It can oh, be yeah. playtime um, on the piano. It can be playtime on the yoga mat. It can be experimenting with many different things. I mean, when you find me in my play zone, I am usually headphones in, great music on, and I somehow am designing something or I'm constructing something artistic or I'm putting even an email blast, just getting an email out yeah. to all my clients and to people I know and whatever on my brand and all of this, even that takes a decent amount of creativity. And, and it's, and it's funny because it's like the more I have now that I've transitioned into entrepreneurship, which has been, it has, it has its ups and downs and challenges and this and that, the more I play. The more bold my colors become, and we do prints. We don't do like black sweaters and things like that. We have very dynamic prints. And the bolder it is, the more I'm attracted to it, which I never thought I would ever get to. I am a, as you can tell, like where this is obviously on camera, but I know we're just going to be audio, but like I'm in all black today. Yeah. When you look at my designs, everything is very colorful. You have to remember that color is a part of our lives. Playtime is a part of our lives. You know, when you when you meet a child and they, the first thing that they start to see is color and it's the first thing that they're attracted to. And so, so much of color and, and music and listening and tapping into these sources that we have in ourselves is actually a huge part of self-care. So for our audience, you've been, so in your bio, one of the bios I read, I think it was in a, maybe even an article talks about, um, practicing yoga, yogi meditation. And, and you've been doing that for a number of years, right? I think, was it 15 years? I've been, let's see, 10, I think I've been a yogi for almost 20 and I've been a meditator for I would say like five or six years at this point. So the reason why I was asking that and, and kind of getting from a, from a time frame standpoint, um, early in your career and, you know, you mentioned like PepsiCo and um, Gillette. So what was your self-care practice? Was there a self-care practice? Um, has, has this kind of always been a part of your life or was there a time when, um, maybe it, it, it wasn't so much a focus. I think this is a subject that um, is, is really important because we're not talking about the actual practice of, we're actually talking about how do you transition into it. Coping and self-soothing and all of that was not a part of my life at all. I mean, I'm not going to get into the dynamics of family and 
child raising and all of those things. Um, those are for specific ears only, but, uh, yes. Yeah. Especially when you're doing a podcast on it and talking about it. And then I'm like, did I just say that? Whoops. (laughs) I will tell you that. And, and it's taken a long time to get out into what is self-soothing, what is self-care, what is caring for yourself look like? Because we, we start, we get it. We, you know, I, I look at it and I look at it in different pieces of like, there's my childhood, there's my high school years, uh, where I grew up, uh, all of these things, very insecure. Cut. I was, I was such an insecure kid. I was like literally one of the most insecure kids. And I didn't get out of that insecurity until I was probably in my thirties. I was not even, I mean, people looked at me and said, Oh, well, she's really confident. And I was wearing cool clothes and I was doing all of this, but like, no, in inside of me, I'm like, what he likes me. I can't even talk to that guy. Like how's, why does he even like me? Like there were so many moments that I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel good. And I would self care. My self soothing was drinking and it's still something I'm very cautious of today. And I started, but what was important, which is funny is that I always worked out. I always was at the gym. I always wanted to have a very good body. And I always wanted to have a very like vanity from a vanity perspective or from a looks perspective, looks and, and that part, like having a, having a well-toned body and having a, um, you know, beautiful makeup and gorgeous hair and all of those were always very important, but it was more from a vanity perspective versus a self-appreciation perspective. Mm, yep. And so I started getting into yoga. I think meeting then again, law of attraction. I started taking some specific yoga classes, especially when I was in New York. And I started, I started getting influenced to be, to go into meditation. And I remember when I started meditating, didn't people are always like, how do you meditate? What is meditation? Oh my God. Do I just sit there for 10 minutes and breathe? That sounds really hard or really (laughs) boring or whatever. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like you have to, you can construct your meditation, however you feel you need to meditate. But I started meditating and I self started doing like guided meditations. And then I, you know, transitioned to different things. And what comes up? The other thing I think people are very fearful of in terms of meditation, because there's, there's a difference. Yoga, yoga to me is a breathing. It's a very active meditation in many ways. And I'm actually much deeper into yoga than I've ever been, primarily because of the pandemic and not being able to go to a gym. I've, I've stepped into my yoga practice really deeply. And, you know, and then meditation is a daily ritual on top of the yoga. I may meditate a little bit in the morning. I definitely try to get in at, get it in at night. The moment I started meditating, the moment my life started changing, Mm -hmm. the moment I could sit in quiet and breathe and listen and there's a lot of beautiful practices out there that they ask you some hard questions. Um, even last night, you know, we are on the, and I'm going to take a tangent here, but we are, we just passed, you know, the winter solstice, which means all the days are going to get a little bit lighter. Yep. And last night they talked about, you know, you had to do like a, a self-affirmation or self-whatever. And it said, you know, I am light and I am dark. And I thought about that and it's like, what, what parts of me are light? 
what parts of me that when I bring them forward and I offer them, what is light and what are the parts of me that are dark? And when we think about self-care and we think about our journeys and we think about, and we go back to, if we were to just use that, that in context, what is light? What am I offering that is is helping people? What am I doing that is bringing forward something that of beauty and of, of attraction, of uh, purpose, of stories, of whatever? And then what are the things that I am more ashamed of or more not connected to? And when we think about that and just everything, you know, I can look back when we talk about like, if we just use this of this entire, this entire podcast was just on light and dark. If I look back at the last, you know, my years in corporate, I can tell you what are the things that I brought forward that were really good. And then I could tell you the things that I am not connected. I'm not emotionally connected to. They're my dark side. Yeah. Part of the wholeness, like for us, we've, we've tried to, embrace this idea that everything is connected. And so those, those light parts of us, it's really easy to grab a hold of those and, you know, showcase those and, you know, to everyone around us and then kind of push aside what we would call the dark. And, and I think for us, as we move towards wholeness, a big part of, for me, like when it comes to self-care and, identifying what wholeness looks like in my life is looking at those, those, what we would say, dark parts of my life and not be embarrassed or ashamed of them, but say, you know, how is this impacting me as a complete person? What is this bringing that I need to, that I need to set with, that I need to be comfortable with? And, and even to a point like, those dark parts of our life, when we are comfortable in sharing that with other people, th- that that turns and and instead of being something that we're embarrassed by, it it becomes something that we can help each other to grow uh, when we right. when we embrace that. Yeah. So, talk about taking on a tangent. Last night was one of those nights. Oh, fuck a One thirty in the morning, wide awake, and I went to my go to Netflix documentaries and um, documentary on gene editing. Oh, CRISPR. Yeah. Oh, I love CRISPR. Right? Yeah. CRISPR stocks, man. I, I'm buying up. And um, but but the uh, um, young man, uh, I believe he was probably in his tween years, maybe early teen years, uh, has sickle cell. Um, so you know, part of the the documentary narrative was about um, the ability to edit that specific gene, right? Yeah. That that, and they asked him uh, towards the end of the documentary, you know, if you could eliminate sickle cell for your children, you know, next generation, would you do that? Um, and he said, I don't know. I think, I think my child should be able to decide. And he said, well, do you, do you wish that you never had sickle cell? And he said, no, I don't wish that because it's made me who I am. And that really hit me. Um, and then coupled with that um, on Instagram today, um, just scrolling through an ad pops up saying, um, basically, you know, you can get rid of ADHD. You can live without ADHD. And then I had to address that for myself. The same question. Would I, do I want to eliminate ADHD in my life? And the answer was no, no, I, I, I don't wish I didn't have it. Um, so the, about the light and the dark, Right. The, the thing that struck me was how important the struggle, quote unquote, 
some some of the darkness, if you will, has been in who I am. Absolutely. Right. So, and and Christina, we we talk about this a lot. We we are both non-dualists. We don't think in terms of this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. So even even light and dark, it's not good, bad. Unquestionably, there's light and dark. There's there's struggle. There's you know, but the the whole of all of those experiences really just is it is and makes us who we are. And I wouldn't change it, right? There there's two different things that I look at when we talk about self care. There is this part of ritual and habit. And then there's this part of taking care of your authentic code and being responsible for your authentic code. So ritual and and habit are, I get up in the morning, I do my yoga, I meditate, I have a healthy breakfast, I take a freezing cold shower, which is the least part of my favorite part of my day, even though because I do it because it's very good for your skin, it's very good for circulation, what have you. I get into work. You know, I may take a little nap in the afternoon if my day is not completely, utterly crazy, which is usually how it's been lately. And I meditate at night. And then there's several things that happen in between, but that's pretty much my day. Then there is the, so that's habit, that's ritual. Then there is this part of what person am I to be, what am I accountable for? What am I responsible for? And when I look at accountability and responsibility, we have to look at what our DNA is. And I talk about this in spiritual, not in like, this is my genes and whatever, but yeah. like, what is my DNA? What is my code? What is my, who am I? And, you know, when we talk about creativity, that is a part of my life that I cannot ignore. And if I choose to ignore it, I am going against the will of what I have been blessed with. When I choose to ignore the message that I create, whether it's through my brand or whether it's through my writing or whether it's through whatever creative thing, you know, there, there will be many signs will be like, don't do that. Then there is this um, playfulness. I am playful. If I choose to ignore that, there will be, I will feel stifled. And so we have to understand when we talk about meditation, meditation does get you to this place. Therapy can do the same thing if you're with the right therapist. Many of these things can do the right same things for you when it's like, you know, what am I accountable and responsible for in this lifetime? What type of impact am I having? And, you know, it's, I don't look at myself any different than somebody who may sit in their basement and program games all day. It's good. They look at they look at the world in a, in a in a lens that is very unique to them, and they see something, and they tap into it, and that's what makes them a, an excellent programmer, an excellent gamer, an excellent whatever. And so, I think you know, self care; those two things are intertwined because one needs to happen for the next to happen. But ultimately, self care to me is very much a part of when I wake up in the in the morning. How am I bringing, you know, and we talk about our best selves. Well, you know, that's, sorry, 
bring your best self out. It's bullshit every day. You can't do it every day. I don't want to do it every day, quite frankly. It can be wear- very wearing. But it is about, am I being present to myself? Am I being present for others? And when we can't be present for ourselves, we cannot be present for others. We So in terms of our episodes, whether we realize it or not, I think we, 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 we uh, I think the, the topics that we chose, I think was, 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 uh, uh, it was the right process because the first thing we really talked about is, um, radical self-transparency, right? And, um, because we are bullshitters <laughs> we, and, and our, our professional bullshitters and the ability to, um, be honest with ourselves is, is. We, we bullshit ourselves more than anybody. Right. Um, so as you were mentioning, you know, this realization of yourself, right. Your DNA, um, being honest with yourself and, and kind of doing that assessment. And then from that went into, you know, Matt, I mean, we both did, but you know, Matt really led this on, um, rekindling the relationship with yourself and, you know, that, it's so important. And at the end of that episode, let me say this, Matt talked about self-care, what it's not, uh, what it is. And, and, and it led to, you know, these two episodes on, on the habit of self-care, but we were talking about self-care isn't going to the gym by itself. It's not yoga by itself. It's not, I'm going to, I'm going to treat myself to a day at the spa. If it's not first, caring about yourself, right? That relationship with yourself, that this is who I am. This is my DNA. And so many parts, I think that we've, we want to reject, we want to, you know, ignore, we want to hide instead of um, learning to, I want to say accept. I mean, certainly, you know, destructive behaviors, habits, things, things that are not healthy, not, not necessarily um, accepting of those things, but, but ex- as I mentioned, my AD, ADD, ADHD, right. Um, all the things, um, not only accepting it, but appreciating that part of my life, uh, because so much of my life was spent trying to avoid or get rid of, or, or you know, lament this thing. And then the more I understand about myself, my brain, the benefits, right. But then also understanding the the downsides of that, like being able to pay a bill on time or like, you know, parking meter, things like that. So, um, yeah, Christina, to your point, and, that, and this this is so good, and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, right? The practice, the habits come from that place of self-care, right? That, that acceptance of self, that appreciating yourself. Oh, I mean, listen, like being able to sit down and, and I think the older you get, you know, I'm in my forties now, the older you get, the more you're like, I don't really give a fuck. I mean, whatever, you know, like they're like, oh, so-and-so doesn't like him. Like, whatever. What do you want me to do about it? Um, You know, there is this part of, I, ever since I was a child, I knew I was different. That is not about being special. That is not about I'm different and everyone, this is, I just, my, my, where my head was at, where my focus was, how I dealt with things, how I looked at light, everything made me know that I was different. Yeah. 
I felt different. I felt different in bad ways and I felt different in good ways. For the most part, most of my childhood, most of my high school years, I felt bad. I felt different in bad ways. Hmm. Even in, in anything that was normal, that was rigid, that had four walls, made me feel unaccepted. Yeah. Anything outside those four walls made me feel accepted. Yeah. Yeah. For I, that, I think that's a, that's a pretty common story for most like creatives, especially until I, and I wrote down a, a long time ago when we were talking today, but and, until you find your voice, like whatever that looks like. And when you recognize that the things that as a child made you feel like an other all of a sudden you're exposed to this greater community of people where all of that stuff is celebrated. That's, that's a big, big deal when you can find that moment, when you find your voice, what, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and my voice was creative, yeah, right? Like, yeah. It was, it was, I, I always say to people, it was funny. I grew up, I grew up in a pretty affluent area of Michigan my parents are, you know, my, my mom's from Germany. My dad was born here. Most of my family's from Germany. Our names, our last name is German. And my parents' name is German. And I grew up in like a true American city and where it was like, tell me your parents' names. And everybody would, you know, it was like him and Steve. And I'm like telling my parents' names, which are, you know, extremely German. Yeah. And I, and, and it, I just, felt like this small little person that was so different because even the questions that were being asked of us as like third graders, I was, it was like, I I was, I was almost ashamed. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that's what has made me who I am today. That is, that is my, you know, when I look at design, I look at, you know, I think the engineering that believe it or not, fashion design is engineering. Totally. You know, my dad's an engineer. If, if any, if there's a person that I got my creativity from, now he's an engineer in, in the biomed world and runs his own company. I just am on the total opposite end right. of creativity. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to design dresses. He's like, great. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it takes you, and this is where I do think that the kids today are actually tapping into this a lot younger in life, which is great. Yep. And I think there's so much more, I think because of, I actually think because of like companies like Apple and Google and, and all these big companies, you know, I think there's so much more creativity that is happening. And actually there's so much more of a celebration of creativity. Yeah. And that to me, I think is in playfulness and sitting around and brainstorming good ideas and being able to brainstorm back and forth on like, you know, here's 20 ideas, which one's going to be the best. Yeah. Um, I think those are, you know, I think we're tapping much more into that. But, you know, again, to to sit back and say, okay, this is this is how I want this journey to be for me. This journey of life. This is what I look at. This is what I want to celebrate. These are the things that I this is how I want to celebrate myself. When the day is done, this is what I feel good about. This is what I find fulfilling, you know, and fulfillment is a huge part of our, our life. I think when you look at, again, going back to corporate or going back, going into anything, you can look at marriage this way. You can look at every relationship you have and especially the one with yourself. And if it is not fulfilling, the shadow will override the light. Yep. And 
So, you know, again, self-care is, you know, it's, it's taking care of yourself, but it's actually taking care of what you're accountable and responsible for. And you are accountable and responsible for yourself. That was a big um, point in my life when just kind of assessing, all right, so what is the point of life? And, um, and again, you know, is it something about the forties, I guess, cause that's, you know, sub sub title, this, uh, podcast, you know, like the 40 midlife crisis, uh, I'm say the, uh, the midlife existential crisis. Existential crisis. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just kind of taking that assessment of like, what am I doing with my, my life? What? And, um, I just remember pretty, pretty clearly, vividly, um, the, like, I got it. The meaning of life is really about contentment, right? And fulfillment, contentment, I think, you know, similar, maybe even one the same, but, but this idea of wherever I'm at at that moment, if I'm content, then that's really, that's the whole point. Right. Um, and I, I remember even giving a talk about this um, to a, a business group you know, success and achievement. And I talked about contentment and the first question I got was, yeah, but if you're content, how do you move forward? How do you, how do you grow? How do you achieve? You know? And I said, yes, that's, that's the whole point right there that you can be content where you're at, but not complacent. Right. But the point is, is if I'm not content where I'm at, then there, there is no growth. There's, there's no achievement. Cause I'm, I'm chase. I'm constantly chasing something that I'll never find. If I can't have it right now in this moment, then whatever happens next isn't going to bring me what I can have right now. Right. Well, it's so tying it together, like with self-care, Christina, you mentioned like ritual and habit and personal coat, like being two, you know, different things. But what I wrote down with that is like both of that coming together, that becomes partners, uh, in developing wholeness for you as a person. And so, you know, what you just said, Eric, like, you know, contentment, finding that, finding that spot, that, that peace isn't so much for me, isn't so much like what you're doing in this moment, what you're achieving that has nothing to do with it. But finding that, finding that contentment is that wholeness, that part of you, that will allow you to have the space to then go on and do those things. If you don't hit that point first, you are going to be continually stuck and frustrated and overwhelmed with everything and everyone around you without recognizing that it's yourself that is really causing that. Man, I could, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I gonna, do, don't, I, we don't apologize. I'm going to settle down a little bit. I think it's a really, I think it's a really solid point. And I think there's like, Eric, you mentioned there, there's this word that I absolutely love and hate and it's the word chase. Yeah. If you are not fully within yourself, you will chase literally fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Your whole life. Yep. Yep. Well, that was my story. I have, I have chased I, when, you know, like guys I've dated. I have chased them. Love me. See what I can do. Here's all my value I can bring. You know, every single one of those relationships, well, that's, there's a reason that I was doing that. There was some childhood behavior linked to it, but I, I, it was, it was, it was like every single one of them failed. You can't chase. Same thing with money. We go and we wake up and we're like, how much am I earning today? And, 
and you're chasing money. You're chasing a, uh, you're actually money is like a figment of your imagination. Don't get me wrong. You, we all need it. We all need it to survive. We all need it for many things. We all need it for, and we all want to have wealth. But if you're chasing it, not attracting it, and your attraction comes from inside. Same thing with love. Everything is an attraction. Everything is energy. And again, this is kind of going into habit and ritual. The more you understand certain things, now not everyone's going to believe this, right? Like your belief systems, your value systems, all of that, it plays very much into your life. And some, I am, I am, it's, we were, I was having a, just a tangent. I was having a, a conversation about religion the other day with someone. And I said, it's funny. I grew up Catholic. I'm not. Grew up went, went to Catholic schools most of my life, though. I am, but I'm Christian, but I'm Buddhist. <laughs> and so I have multiple faiths. I have yeah. multiple belief systems. And that's okay, you know. Um, but I do believe that everything is energy. Mm-hmm. I believe God is energy. I believe the world is energy. I believe our energy and, and how we create our energy is super important to what we attract and what we connect emotionally connect with. Absolutely. And when we are chasing things, we are working out of a, we're literally working at the bottom of the, of the well. Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to climb our way out of something. We're trying to, we are not abundant in that. We are not, we are not anywhere with it. When we are living, we are operating from a place of lack. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. When we are abundant, we can sit there in peace and calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And contentness. Yeah. No matter what and comes their way. Bro. Yeah. Wow. So good. It's really good. Um, I was just thinking, uh, just to tag on this, you know, this time of year, a lot of people are evaluating, like, you know, you call it um, making resolutions or, you know, setting goals like all that, you know, this time of year is, you know, tends to be that, that point where people do that. And that discussion came up and somebody asked about that. And my answer is not always the friendliest answer with it, but it's like, my goal for next year is to stop making goals and to learn to be present in every single moment, no matter what it is. And to find that place where I can no matter what comes my way, I can I can settle in the knowledge of who I am, what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and that only comes through engaging in these things on the daily yeah. and, and being comfortable with myself. Yeah. So your goal is to not have goals. Pretty much. Your goal is to be present and not have... Pretty much. Your goal is not to be chasing after something... Ever. Yeah. Your goal is to be present in the moment. It's and a, that's, that's the goal. The goal. So I'm going to go to my strong place and I'm going to pull a quote from a Marvel movie uh, just to reinforce some things. Next episode, Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, man. Woo. That's going to be a whole episode there. Spiral dynamics, empathy. Going All into battle it. dressed as a youth pastor. Um, I got I to go ahead. I want to hear your quote and then I'm going to give you one. Okay. So the where I'm going from is from um, the Marvel movie Endgame. And I'm familiar with that. The one. Thor character has there's a there's a, there's a a life changing moment there, and I've I've always identified with that character. But the quote is for him. He says, "It's time for me to be who I am rather than who I'm supposed to be." 
And what's told to him is, but you, you're a leader. That's who you are. And, and I think for me, all of this stuff, like understanding who I am versus who I'm supposed to be, the who I am supposed to be always comes from external voices. And the listening to myself, the who I am, always is going to come from me. And learning to hear that voice uh, over all the other voices is, for me, that's, the, that's my habit of self-care, is listening to find, listening and doing my best to find that voice. Yeah, it's, you know, and I think, I think at the end of the day, there's a great book, and I actually recommend men to meet it, to read it just as much as women. Uh, it's the women who run women who run with wolves. Oh, that's on that's on my wife's bookshelf. I think I can. It is so incredibly good because look, we're all you know. There's things women have been through that men have never been through. Will never go through. There's there's parts of uh, the eras and decades of time that have passed that women have really been having to be very limited. All of that, but this book really talks about many different factors. But one of them is tapping into intuition. Yeah. Tapping into boundaries, tapping into many things that may or may not, you know, I mean, I just went through an amazing experience of growth. It was an, it was, it was an expansive part of me. I could, I actually would probably not be in the mindset that I am today without it because it was, it was an expansion part, but same point in time, it was very painful. You know, I knew my, my intuition was constantly Christina don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know, tap into good questions, understand this, whatever. I, I didn't listen. Yeah. You know, again, it was like one of those moments um, that I just should have listened to myself. I should have taken control of the situation. I did not. Now I've learned my, I learned a huge lesson. I learned a huge lesson financially. I learned a huge lesson in many different aspects that this is who I am. This is what my brand stands for. This is where we are. This is where we're going. And, you know, a, a friend of mine said, you know, eventually you get to a point where you're just going to be a ride or die. Like this is, this is your core, Yep. you know, focus or die. This is who you are. This is what you're standing for. This is where you're going to go. Anything out, outside of that takes second to third place. It does not become your priority. And when you can tap into yourself and you can tap and you go through these learning experiences where you can't just shrug your shoulders, you go through these learning experiences and you're like, okay, that's not going to happen again. And you start looking at your accountability and your responsibility in every aspect of your life, because this is not, I mean, for me, this is not just about me. This is actually my company. This is my brand. I love my company. I love my brand. I love what we stand for. I love what we do. And you know, you take certain risks and you learn from certain risks that may not pay out. You learn from risks that you're like, hey, that really worked. But these were the dynamics that made them work there. You know, you and, and I think when you also when you go into self-care and you start to know who you are and you start to whether you're building a brand or a company or whatever, you just know who you are. You will learn how to take risks. Yeah. And that is the funnest greatest and some of them may fail and some of them you're going to like be on the floor crying about, but like you learn to take risks because you know, you can pick yourself up again and you know, you can fly, but you cannot take a risk without knowing your foundation. Everybody. And when we start talking about chasing, people take risks all the time because they're chasing. Mm -hmm. 
But when you take a calculated risk, and I'm a very calculated, I'm more calculated than people probably like they think I take risks all the time. I'm like, no, I literally sit there and analyze every single aspect of this. But when you can take a risk and that becomes because you have a strong foundation, you will constantly be taking risks. And that to me is when you can tap into that creativity, when you can tap into source, when you can tap into living a life that's liberating versus fear that keeps you so in those four walls. That's a risk that is guaranteed to fail every single time is trying to live your life based on what someone else wants or or what you think someone else wants you to do. Right. So, so you're right. Like, People are like, ah, I, I'm not a big risk taker. Um, no, the greatest risk in life is to not live <laughs> your true authentic self. And, 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 cause yeah, p- people are v- terrified, right? Terrified of really being who they are. <laughs> and, 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 and like you mentioned, and uh, Christina, your story is our story. And I think, pretty much everyone else's story coming from childhood, coming from, um, you know, maybe some traumas or, or bullying in school, whatever it comes from, but that just, I can't let people know, you know, the real me, I'm going to hide that. I'm going to be what everyone else thinks I should be. What, what perception, what ideology, culture, religion has told me I need to be. Um, that's a guaranteed recipe for failure. <laughs> um, so yeah, the calculator risk of I'm going to take the risk of just being who I am, who I'm supposed to be, <laughs> was meant to be. And yeah, not everyone will accept that. And that's fine because we're not looking for anyone else's acceptance anyways. That's the whole point here. Eric, and I, I want to say one thing. People are not scared of, people are more scared of being loved for who they are than they are when they're not. To show your colors and to show your depth and to show your background and your experiences and your stuff, your, just your stuff, right? But to show yourself and to be loved for it is the scariest feeling in the entire fucking world. And we've talked about this in, in previous episodes about, and you even mentioned it, like guys that are like, I really liked you. And you're like, me? I, it's, we are, we are convinced that people cannot love us. It's not, it, it doesn't necessarily always come from other people. It's just, we are convinced, right? That they won't love me if they know me, right? We, we are telling ourselves that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And embracing that and running with it, like call it self-image, confidence, whatever you want to call it develops out of that and almost to a hilarious point. Like for me, I'm very comfortable, like who I am. And like the other day we had a friend over and we were headed out and I threw on a hat and she mentioned, she's like, that looks really good on you. And I went, I know, I know. Thank you for that. But it's, you know, it's, it's that understanding and that, that comfort. And Christina, you mentioned lack and abundance, and I think that plays so much into, you know, where you're at when you realize, like if you're coming from a place of lack, but then all of a sudden the light turns on and you realize that your entire life, you've been in a place of abundance, but haven't been able to tap into it. Haven't realized that moment when that light turns on you from the inside out begin to shine. Because you, and it's, 
as I was saying that and, and about, I'm afraid they won't love me. It's because I don't love me. <laughs> I don't love the authentic me. I've been, I have been taught. I have been conditioned to not love me the way I am. And so, yeah, why would anyone else if I don't? So yeah, this is where we go, Christine. This is, this is the podcast. <laughs> like we go, we yeah, go there. Like, look, like I, if you, if we look at our parents, if we look at anybody that we were raised with, they didn't love themselves. I mean, exactly. I'm sorry, but like the old generations did not live in the healthiest therapy was not something you did. Your child has no problems. Um, Electroshock therapy was really cool. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> now don't, was, I mean, don't go ragging on ECT because it actually is very helpful. I'm doing a whole study on that. Sure. <laughs> if something was wrong with your child, if something was mentally wrong with your child, we weren't many decades away from them dropping them off at some school and never seeing them again. I mean, this We have had to grow through eras of time as various, as two genders, right? Because men were treated differently. Demographically, everything was different. Came from from years of segregation, years of no inclusivity, years of everything's fine and the, you know, leave it to beaver household and, and our family's not dysfunctional. What are you talking about? And you know, and, and to now being like, okay, I'm in this space and I'm going to navigate the space and at the best that I can. So this is a very, it's, it's very generational. And I think we're starting to tap into what self-love means, because quite frankly, when you talk about self-love 30 years ago, 40 years ago, Self-love was a conceited, selfish, the the definition of it just did not, you know, and yet, and there, and people always, there was this quote out there saying, if you can't love yourself, you can't love others. Well, we didn't have any of the fucking tools to love ourselves. (laughs) I didn't even know what self-love was, you know, until I was able actually to sit. And, and this is, this was the turning point until I learned about my childhood And I learned about how things happened in my childhood and the generational pain that was constant in my childhood and the, the attraction and the lack and the, Mm -hmm. this and the daddy and father and the mother wound. And until I actually learned a lot about all of these things in my life, I did not come to a point where I realized I was enough. Mm. I, my pain and, and, and my, um, disregard for who I was and my creativity and my talents and my beliefs and my values and all of these things, all of that was like a big bubble that was just connected to uh, some world out there that wasn't connected to me. I was just living with it. And until I started to pinprick that bubble and find spaces of like, that's why I do that. That's why I believe that. That's why I chase those guys. Mm. That's why I feel like I've got to live in this world that, you know, is giving me a title, but not giving me fulfillment. Like all of that stuff that I had to go through all of those motions and they all are interlinked. Every single thing you do is interlinked to one of the next things. They don't, you don't sit in a silo and you're like, oh, well, I do this behavior and that only impacts this one thing in my life. Yep. No, it impacts everything. 
If you are going to chase, you are going to chase everything. If you are going to sit in abundance, you are going to sit in abundance with everything. Now it takes time to get to those spaces. It has taken me six years of meditation and I still struggle with a lot of things, but I get closer and closer and closer. Every time I get closer and closer and the more I show up, the more I show up for others and the more I show up for others and the more I show up for myself, the more I know that is not something I want to be involved with. That is not the guy. That is not the money I want. That is not that, you know, you can start to see very clearly where you want to be and where you don't want to be. Yep. Yep. It's good. It's really good. So, and I, you know, I give this example when I started meditating, I'm not going to like go into this, but when we talk about chase, when I started meditating, it was chasing. I remember there was a night before Christmas pre pandemic. I was in New York city and I saw somebody And it was somebody I had chased Hmm. and he said like one thing to me. And I'm like, see you later before I would have been like apologizing for his wrong behavior. And I, this is like really deep, but I, and I won't go into it, but like, I was like, bye. And it was the same thing. It's the same thing with jobs that, you know, it's the same thing with everything. If, if you cannot offer me my value, I cannot give you anything. Yes. So in the last episode, when we're talking about my personal like self-care journey and and we talk about keystone habits, um, I mentioned deep breathing and, and grounding and, um, and what I, what I said then and and before is, um, after I do breathing uh, meditation, literally I'll get up and I'll notice things out of place that I ignored before or, you know, f- clothes that aren't folded or, right. And that's like a, a immediate sort of, you know, like visual, tangible manifestation. But what you're talking about is that deeper, it's the same thing, but on that deeper level of the more grounding, the more present and th- that, awareness that practice of self-care um, becomes part of your life. You see the guy <laughs> and you're like, Nope, I can, I can just walk away from that. Right. Um, or so, yes, I mean, and th- that's why I brought up this idea of keystone habit. It, it, it's amazing that something as simple and I'm doing air quotes as meditation, grounding, breathing, then has that ripple effect across so many areas of your life. And yes, part of it is the actual physical act, right? I mean, the, the mind rewiring, but I think on a deeper level, it's that I am focusing on me. I'm, I'm doing this because I care about me and that, and you're right. It's not, you said six years. I mean, I'm, I'm three, four years into this and stuff. It's not overnight. You know, this is a journey real time, but you're absolutely right. I, that when, when you start doing, um, 
when you get in the mindset, you get in, in, in a healthier place about yourself and then you start taking actions, the activities to reinforce the, the changing mindset. Right. Um, and I think, you know, the thing is, is you have to understand that it is a journey. I mean, the way this journey started is the way most journeys start. Something is not working. And I want to find out why, because I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't want to feel the way I feel. I don't want to be shoved to the side. I don't want uh, to be, I, I, and, and usually when something is not working, and I always tell people this, when something is not working, whether it is in your job, in your relationship, in your home, in your whatever, when something is not working, it is because there's a disconnection of values. And when you're having a disconnection of values, and when you have actually tapped into yourself, you will automatically see that it's a value, it, it's, it's a value disconnection. It's a worth disconnection. And you can go and you can say, you know, even in, in probably marriages, and I hear this all the time, he doesn't value me. She doesn't see my worth, this, that, everything. And it's like, okay, are we not showing each other that I actually do really do value? Like, are we missing that opportunity? But you see it in the job of you work your effing ass off and you get no credit for it. You get no, you know, I think these, I think the way we structure our reviews and things like that is just, just utter shit. But uh, because you're like, oh, I've got to, I've got to work hard all year long, and then I'll get maybe a compliment in my year-end review. This yeah. is not human. Correct. Yep. 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 We don't grow through that, and so, but there is this disconnection of your values, and when people are at their jobs and their bosses are not valuing them, they feel it, they know it, they work their ass off, and you know, people don't quit companies; they quit managers. Mm-hmm. And the more we get to know ourselves, the more we understand our emotional connection and what it means to each other, not just in the work, but in our homes and our relationships. And so when I say, like, when we talk about meditation, when we talk about self-care, self-care is energy. Self-care is value. Self-care is worth. And when you sit down and you can ground yourself in what you are worth and you are deserving and your value and in, in, in your in your fostering and connecting to abundance things get easier, but you got to get there. And it is a long journey depending on how much you've been through. And so, you know, again, going into habit, habit, what is self-care? What is self-habits? Habits are very much in terms of find where you're, find your, find what you love to do. If it's running, go run. If it's yoga, do yoga. If it's going to the gym, if it's being competitive, whatever, go find that and find a meditation practice and start somewhere. Because there's a thing about being a healthy body, then there's something all about being healthy in the mind. And I don't think we focus enough on being healthy in the mind. I, th- I think I've said a couple times before, like, as humans, we are multifaceted creatures, multifaceted beings. And so addressing addressing health has to come from all the different directions, not just the physical components, but what is the spiritual component? What is the emotional component? Uh, and all of that working in tandem, it, it is tough. It is a long road, but the, the benefit of, in, of even taking one step forward is you all of a sudden have a path behind you that you can, that you can look at. And it, it, again, it just, it simply begins with one step. And so like for, for, 
for all of our leader friends, and you know, that's really what this is about, is how do we engage in this while remaining competent leaders? And and the the best leaders that I know, the best ones that I've ever worked with, um, all have this understanding of who they are in place before they engage in these in these roles. Because if we don't have that in place, we're, we're going to continue to really be destructive leaders. There's no way, better way to put it. And and that could be within the professional world. That could be for us parents. Uh, you know, we're we're only going to leave destruction in our wake until we can get ourselves grounded. Uh, in who we are and taking care of an inventory of these self-care habits. Hurt people, hurt people. Well, and I, yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing, like, in, I think in terms of leadership, you know, I have seen, I've been a part of many companies with many different leaders. I have been, I've sat in front of leaders who I think are incredibly powerful and, and let's just say very healthy in how they approach things. And then I've had leaders where I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What and I you can tell an automatic difference in when you I, I, there's a couple of leaders I'm not going to name names here are the heads of companies uh they've started their own companies they've been on multiple journeys they've taken risks they're authentic in their code they're authentic in how they approach things most importantly they are they are love. Mm. When they yes. walk into a meeting and it's a meeting with 20 people. They Everybody knows it's the, it is so-and-so, you know, but they approach it calm. They approach it with questions. They are active listeners and they are, they are creatives. Yeah. I noticed more better, the more creative a leader, the better the leader. Yeah. I'd agree with that completely. Because creativity, again, I think you go into playfulness. You go into, it's not just about providing solutions, it's about providing the right solution, but to get to the right solution, you have to play around with different solutions that may or may not work until you get to them. Yep. So they're, they're patient because they're like, let's give this a roll. Let's get, where are we? Okay, let's dive into the data. What does this look like? I've been in meetings with leaders that you will literally get your head eaten off yeah. if it is not perfect. And you're like, okay, what? who's going to foster a community of health and wellness and keeping their employees in a place that allows them to expand mm-hmm. versus who's going to shame me today for being me. Yeah. yeah. Well, the journey, you mentioned journey. We, and, and we talk about it all the time because this is, this is real time. I mean, we're, we're on this and, and um, we're not gurus. We're not the experts. We are, we are, Two guys on a journey. And Christina, thanks so much for sharing your journey with us. And um, I guess we'll have to, for for future guests, just the caveat of it will turn into like, you know, therapy session. and For at least one <laughs> of us. us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, because we, yeah, we, we, I think we're all in alignment agreement. We have no interest in BSing or beating around the bush or, Right. Like this, cause this stuff really is life and death for a lot of people. And, and certainly spiritually, mentally, emotionally <laughs> life and death, you know, if not always physically, but thank you for sharing your journey. So the last thing we do on every episode, three things, we still don't have our jingle. Got to get our jingle. You're in this writing music I'm in the mode. mood. I got to yeah. do it. Um, so three things and Christine, you can 
feel free to uh, contribute. We're going to do this one real time. Um, question to ponder, a topic to explore, and an action to take. All right. So um, question to ponder. I'll give you mine and you know, we can, we yeah. can, I'll, you know, do a question. I loved Christine, what you said about finding what is my DNA? Um, what, you know, and, and mentioning like your childhood, what? So for me, the question to ponder, um, who am I? <laughs> um, and, and specifically taking cues from my childhood, right? Um, when was I happiest? When, you know, when did I feel fulfilled? Um, cause and again, we talked about this before and I know we're going to do an episode on this inner child. Um, something just kind of goes wrong because yeah, you know, there's, I can remember times really young and just everything was great and mm -hmm. fun and play and, and, you know, carefree. And, um, but yeah, that the, for me, at least question I'm going to ponder, what is, the, what is it that really makes up who I am and what parts of me have I maybe tried to ignore or squash, or maybe circumstances around me has tried to program me, program me out of. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a good question. Yeah. I like it. Topic to explore. You mentioned the book, women who run with wolves. Yep. So I'm going to put that. I think that's, yeah. 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 I think it's a good one. Solid. It is the, if you take all of 2022 to read that book, because it is a thick, hard read, it's not the easiest read in the world because you are like outlining and then you go back and then you're like, wait, it's just like one of those books. It is the best. It is literally the best book. It is the, it is, and it's not just for men. I mean, it, it again, it taps, it taps into intuition. It taps into temptation. It taps into all of these things that we operate as humans uh, it just has a lot of feminine divine. That's good. That's good. And then um, how about for action to take? I put two things, play and create. That's good. Just find, do something, just play. Yeah. And we're coming up in this holiday season. So there go should sledding be or ample opportunity. Yeah. Make hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. My kids, we, we have this big like board that has a whole bunch of things that you can, it's like a little checklist that you can do and ideas and just to bring out, you know, that aspect of, of this season. So I think tonight is camping out in front of the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, I suggested a tent. I was outvoted. Um, Not a hammock. Well, if we set it up in the basement, I can hang hammocks. I can't hang hammocks in the living oh, room. Oh, of course you can. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's a will. Sure. I've already got – in the basement, the rafters are already set up with ropes and never mind. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff like that. Like take a picture uh, of someone kissing underneath the mistletoe. Um, all kinds of like just little things that you can engage in in that play aspect during the season. I think it's a great time to be able to to chase after that. Be creative that. with your play. Don't chase. Don't chase. Sorry, that was the wrong word. We just talked about that. It's a great time to engage that side of you. There you go. Good. Well, thanks again, Christina. Seriously, yeah. thank you. This is awesome. A story.com. A-S-T-O-U-R-I. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys have a, a great holiday and yes, take the time to go play and have fun. That's what the holiday Absolutely. is. We'll have links to all the ways that you can connect with Christina and her brand uh, on the, uh, on the page 
and on the notes and stuff. So, and also links for the book and stuff that we talked about. Well, thanks everyone. And uh, until next time. Yeah. We'll see you. Thanks guys. Thank you.